Hello, I'm Sarah Vine. This is Sarah Vine's Female Half Hour from Mail Plus in association with Boots. I am joined this week, as every week, by my friend and co-host Imogen Edwards-Jones, who's just taken two painkillers. I have, yes. She's going to try and give me COVID again. I, I know did this not is give what's you going. COVID you last time. Listen, it's not a present. Mm. It's not a present. You don't give anyway, somebody COVID. Listeners, <laughs> if I get COVID and die, you heard it here first. You're, I did not give you COVID. Mm. You picked it up of your own accord. Mm. Oh. <laughs> And I'm just a little bit under the weather. A little bit under the weather. Mm. And it's not a hangover. Are you sure? A positive. (laughs) I know it normally is, but today it's not. So um, we're having a lovely week in the England, aren't we, Mm, in the UK? Yes, all the mortgage deals have gone under. Not a good week to buy a house, is it? Not a good week to buy a house. I'm very worried because I think... I did write this in my column, which you probably haven't read because you never read anything. I have read your column. It was very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you say that? No, it was. It was just basically saying, don't attack an Englishman in his castle. Literally, that's the first, Mm. last, second, third, 24th rule of politics. Don't mess with the property market. No, ever, ever. Because it's the only way anyone in this country ever has of ever having any money money or savings or anything. Yes. Because everything else is a nightmare. Yeah. So don't do that. And they've done that. Yes. Not good. No, Absolutely not. Very silly. It was a very good column, though. Well done. Thank you. I went to see... Do you know what, actually, I got most... Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. But the thing that got most traction on my Mm. column was Mm. the little thing I did about an air fryer. (gasps) Mm. Well, you've been obsessed with your air fryer for ages. I know, because Beatrice made me buy one. She made me buy a little baby one, Mm. which I just ignored for for a bit and then started using. And now I've got... Because she's gone to university, she's taken the baby air fryer. Oh, so you've got a bigger one. So I replaced it with a slightly larger one, mm. and now I can do whole chickens well, in yeah, my air fryer. Whole the thing is, is it not dry? Oh, no, it's completely the opposite. Oh. It makes it the most succulent chicken and you've ever eaten. where does the jus eaten. go? I don't know. I think it just sits in its own jus. Oh, Dans okay. ses jus. Dans ses jus. And then on Sunday, I cooked a small lamb joint in it, which was mm. a triumph, I cannot <laughs> tell you. My son, who normally gives me daggers if I try mm. to give him any food that's not basically coated in breadcrumbs. Yes, yes. And then deep fried in its own batter, mm. was scoffed it. Oh. Yes. Okay. It just looks a bit too, it's like cooking stuff in the microwave. It, it it's not. It's oh, not. Okay. I mean, it's, it's... Is it the opposite of a microwave? It's not a microwave. No, it's nothing like a microwave. Okay. It's not a microwave. Okay. There's no microwave. Right. It's really brilliant. Good. I think it's going to end ovens. Oh, the end of the oven. The end of the oven. And you've... Do you're, predicting it now <laughs> i am i've gone mad i've just i've also pitched a feature idea to the female section of the newspaper saying can you cook an entire christmas dinner I in an air fryer say that <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the side of the air fryer but well obviously yes. i'm divorced and i have no friends so it'll just be one christmas dinner for one we can't you just buy that in waitress and put it in a little tin tray <laughs> but i think it might work very well on turkey because turkey does have a tendency to dry out and it mm. does make it very succulent. Anyway, you were saying that you did something last night. I went to well see... Well done. I did, actually went out. I went to see... Um, I was supposed to come with you, but I didn't. Yes, to the screening of Mrs. Yes. Harris Goes to Paris. I love that. We must get Katia in. So yes. tell the story. Oh, it was very beautiful. It's slightly part fairy tale, basically, about a, a woman who is obsessed with Christian Dior, mm. and she goes to Paris to mm. buy a Dior dress. She saves up all her pennies. In fact, she wins the football pools and oh. goes. And then goes. Mm, and it's rather beautiful, and it's Leslie Mann who basically can act her way out of a paper bag. Yeah. I mean, she's so brilliant. Yeah, but I just look at her and I want to cry. Well, yes, there's a lot of, a yeah. lot of crying. It was like sort of middle-aged women's chick lit. Is it a bit like that lady goes to Greece, what's it called? 
Oh, yes. What is that one? What's it called? Oh, my gosh. We've got a menopausal memory yeah. loss moment. Mm. You know where she goes to Greece and she goes and lives with the Greek man. Mm. It's a bit like that, but with a dress. More or less. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of a man. I think that's preferable to a man address. Yes. I think that's a better idea. Yeah. Anyway, what they did do, just so you know, there's basically a lot of frock porn. Oh, because good. they use the original Dior patterns. Oh, right. And it's the costume designer's woman called Jenny Bevan, who's basically won every Oscar mm. there is to go with mm. costume. Mm. And it is incredible. The clothes are fabulous. Just for the frocks, one mm. should go. Is it the new look? Is it lots of exactly. naughty it's fabrics? It's all about the new look. Exactly yes. that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's very beautiful. Well, okay. Well, we're, we've got two quite an interesting little show coming up because yes. we're going to talk to a professore, Leila yeah, Telani. I will during, speak Italian. No, to you're, you're you, going yes. to speak Italian. No, I'm just to me. You can leave. <laughs> anyway, we're going to have a chat with someone about the new Prime Minister of Italy, Georgia Meloni. Mm-hmm. Georgia Melons. Melons. That's not funny. I don't <laughs> no. know why we're saying that. It's <laughs> it pathetic is funny. and puerile and babyish. <laughs> Anyway, and then the other thing we're going to have, which is funny, it is funny. (laughs) The other thing we're going to have is a is a lady HGV driver. I've always had a slight fantasy about being an HGV Mm. driver because I quite like the idea of the little bunk that you have with all the lights and everything. Yeah, Yeah. you have to stop. You have to pull over and have a a nap. You do every eight hours. Yes, Yes. by law. Mm. Napping by law, which I think is a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Called lady called Gillian Phillip, who used to be a writer. Okay, I'm looking forward to that. Who now drives HGVs? Great. Did you know that looking after your sexual health just got easier? With the Boots Online Doctor, you can get access to test kits and prescription treatments for a variety of sexual health issues if it's appropriate for you. You don't need to wait for an appointment. You can just fill in an online questionnaire and keep on top of your sexual health from the privacy of your own home. For more information, visit boots.com slash online doctor. Access to treatment is subject to an online consultation with a clinician to assess suitability. Subject to availability, charge supply. Italy has elected its first female Prime Minister, Giorgia Meloni. She is going to lead a right-wing coalition and says that the result is an act of redemption and proof that Italians are in favour of right-wing leadership. Obviously, this is a bit of a tricky area for Italians. Yes, I know. Mm. They have done that before. They have done that before, didn't <laughs> yes. they? Well. No. Anyway, <laughs> joining us to talk about this <laughs> is Professor Leila Tellani, mm-hmm. Director of the Centre for Italian Politics at King's College London. Great. I mean, good that Italy has elected a female Prime Minister. Yes, brava. Bravi, bravi. Yeah. The right-wing bit, Leila, is this a little bit awkward or Mm. difficult? I mean, she's the head of Fratelli d'Italia, isn't she? I always think it's quite extraordinary. Yeah, she's, she's a woman. A woman again, yes. With a woman in charge of a party br- called Brothers, Brothers of Italy. Yes. <laughs> but it's the first line of the national anthem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's, 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 yeah. That's Questa l'Italia. Yeah. Anyway, so tell us a bit about her and what we can expect from her. I mean, yeah, is she... Where's she from? She's where's from she Rome. From? But what's her background? Yeah, she's from what, Rome. Yeah. Garbatella. Single mother. Yeah, single mother. But she's in favour of traditional family. I know, that's what... She's, okay. not, she's not been married, has she? <laughs> Wow. No, she's never been married. Uh, well, no, Gosh, she's, okay. a, she's a self-made woman, I would say, uh, clearly wow, enough. Okay. She's uh, from, uh, in many respects, she's, uh, she's a miracle in Italy, I would say. <laughs> so mm, she's something yes. that doesn't happen often. And <laughs> she's from a middle to lower class background, from one of these neighborhoods in Rome. I'm from Rome as well, so I know it. Mm-hmm. She's called Garbatella, which mm. is now it's kind of up and coming but it didn't used to be like this before so it can be considered mm. like a working, working class place more mm-hmm. or less. Mm. Her education was
was in a vocation, in vocational training to become uh, a waiter or something like this, mm-hmm. working to wow. the hospitality sector. But in, immediately she discovered she had a vocation for the right wing, especially mm. for very right wing parties. Wow. And she okay. entered very, very young. She was 14 years old. She entered the youth organization of the MSI, which is the Italian social movement uh, directly uh, coming from the fascist uh, party in Italy. So they were, he was founded in 1946 by Almirante. He was uh, like uh, one of the most, uh, the strongest supporters of Mussolini. So that is where she comes from. Mm. Uh, It's difficult to say that she doesn't believe in right-wing policies because she Mm -hmm. actually grew Mm. only within this context. Mm. Plus she also made all her fortune within uh, the right-wing parties, party, Mm. well parties, because then the MSI became Alianza Nazionale, National Alliance, Mm. uh, slightly uh, less, uh, more moderate, because that was led by Fini, who wanted to be a bit Mm. more moderate, with an alliance, with directly allied to to Berlusconi. And then she founded Brothers of Italy, which went back to the origins, (laughs) Not, not so moderate anymore. So she has founded this party. She so she's a career yeah, politician. Yeah, so she must have made quite a lot of money yes. somehow. How? How, do, how does how? she make the money? I don't know how she makes the money. I don't want to speculate on this. Clearly, they need to be financed because in mm. Italy there is no more direct financing of political parties. Mm. It was abolished, so they need to find finance somewhere. She really didn't need personal money to do it, however, so she just needed to have support from uh, mm-hmm. from outside. And she is uh, not only a professional uh, politician, but the, she, the politics is the, 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 the way she kind of... Um, uh, advanced herself in society. Mm. So it's really mm. how, I mean, it is from, from where she was coming from to becoming prime minister, she did it all through right-wing politics. So she owes a lot to, as she said herself in, in the course of her first uh, speech to the nation after she was, um, after the big success of Brothers of Italy, the night of Monday in um, at two in the morning, I was there listening to it. She said that mm. she owes a lot to her community uh, mm. meaning to her political party, uh, and she will refer to her community a lot, that's uh, mm. uh, for sure. I and mean, she's quite charismatic, isn't she? she? I mean, she? I've, I've watched so? her, yes, I've right. seen her speeches, and she yeah. speaks very well. She's got that sort of real populist appeal to her. I mean, there's a lot of contradiction, as you say, she's a single mother, but yeah. she believes in the family, and all of this kind of stuff, but it doesn't seem to touch her. They seem to, she's kind of Trumpian, isn't she? Yeah. A little bit. So so what does it mean for the rest of Europe to have her now in charge of Italy? Yeah, it it depends. I mean, uh, there are some policies that maybe she would like to implement and most likely Europe will try to stop her from from Mm. doing it. All the policies relating to increasing the already incredibly huge uh, public debt of Italy. So, of course, she's got policies, economic policies that would go towards the direction of... um, uh, you know, uh, increasing the debt, like for example, mm. cutting taxes, something mm. that in Britain you know how it goes, and mm-hmm. so they want to do the same in Italy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be honest though, Leila, it's only recently the Italians have started actually yeah, paying taxes. Well, that is true. Yes, <laughs> no, no, that's that's a good point. We did not even start. Let's be honest. And that's, uh, in fact, mm. it's a contradictory thing. Because we, I mean, this is exactly my point. It's amazing you said it. How do you want to cut taxes of people who never pay taxes? Mm, <laughs> so just, true, yes, exactly. <laughs> but obviously there is some sectors of the Italian economy that do pay taxes. And so mm. part of it, uh, if you cut it, will go yeah. into less 
revenues, yeah. which is not good for either in a way. And I mean, do you think she might try and take Italy out of the EU? Well, yes, that's what everyone's saying, isn't it? That's the idea. Isn't no, it? That's what no, 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 no. No, do you don't think so? No. That's absolutely not. I mean, that, that could be an un- unintended consequence of the disasters mm. they might do, but for the rest, not mm. not intentionally. Uh, she says she's in favour of Europe now. She wasn't before, but she is now. Mm. Uh, but the idea of Europe that she has is the idea of a Europe of nations, where mm. the member states have much more say, where mm. they decide everything at unanimity, where uh, you know supranational decision-making is uh, reduced, mm. where the interests of the states come first, First, uh, as you say, the Trump and Trumpian Italy first, whatever it means, which is even less mm. than America first. <laughs> but that will have, uh, uh, as a result, only the contrary. The Italy will be more and more marginalized uh, and sidelined in European mm. politics. And how much do you yeah. think that immigration has to do mm. with her election? I mean, Italians, my parents live in Turin and I go to Italy a lot, and they seem very unhappy about the immigration situation mm. there. Do you think this has been a huge factor for her? Do you think this is what she's going to sort of really double down on not really, because I think in Italy there is not a single party who is in favour of migration. Mm. <laughs> they didn't. Yeah. And the migratory policy in Italy is like uh, exactly like in the rest of Europe, pretty restrictive. We have quotas yeah. which are very, very low, like 30,000 people uh, are allowed in regularly. Another thing is irregular migration, but irregular migration personally, and because I work on this subject, is not something that you can stop closing the borders no. in any way. Actually, you obtain exactly the, the opposite. So mm. you criminalise and make migration much more of an issue and what they call like uh, the securitization policies bring only insecurity and Salvini knows very well because he managed to make uh, a similar mistake when he mm. was the uh, domestic affair uh, minister. However, um, no, I don't think migration played a role. I think the most important factor was that she was uh, against Draghi and uh, she was at the opposition of the Draghi government, mm. whereas everyone else was not. Uh, that she's a, a very good politician. She's got like politics in her veins. So she mm. is good. She is a, she's got very charismatic. She's charismatic. She's a woman. She's young. She's blonde. She's good looking. She's uh, mm, sleek. Yeah. She can she can play the game very well. And also, but must be said that the other coalition didn't exist. Because mm. overall, the centre-right got exactly more or less the same percentage of votes they always get, even less, to be honest. 43% is less than mm. they would usually get as a coalition. And they managed to get 63% of the seats because of the electoral law. It's made in a way that gives the price. And on the other side, they didn't make any coalition. So that's very easy in a way. How's it gone down, the fact that she is actually a woman in Italy? What has everyone been saying? Is it exciting news or...? Well, I mean, in public, everyone is, is, is happy that we have the first uh, female. I think it's the only good thing about all of this, to have the first mm. female prime minister. We, she's still not yet. She's still not yet a prime minister. We need to wait for all of the institutional steps to go ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that there are men who don't like this, but they don't go public on it, so they don't say mm. it. I mean, what went wrong with Draghi? Draghi, as a public figure, is still very respected and I would even say appreciated by the Italians. However, Mm. first, a government which is uh, using Draghi's policy without Draghi is unfeasible. So either Mm. you have him, but you cannot have his policies Mm -hmm. only. So that's a mistake. It was done on the left side to pretend that it was possible to have Draghi's policies without him. Mm. And second, there is, I have to say, I think for Italians, the increase of prices uh, and energy prices as a consequence of 
the war in Ukraine was a bit of um, shock, uh, mm. something that they were not expecting. And then uh, because Draghi was such a, a huge, uh, strong supporter of the Ukraine, they yeah. might have blamed him for this. And not this is not something that is been actually said publicly, mm. but they they are there is a lot of discontent with this. Mm. Uh, Yes, and it certainly feels like Meloni is very much all about very provincial Italy, isn't it? She's all about the keeping the money closed, keeping mm. it in Italy, keeping it for the Italians. Do you think she can last? Because politicians don't last in Italy, yeah. do they? They don't. <laughs> they don't, but they will do everything to last. They mm. will take all positions which are necessary to stay in power as much as possible. It's an enormous opportunity for them. Well, thank you. We'll watch yeah. this space. That was Professor Leila Talani, Director of Centre of Italian Politics at King's College London. Thank you, Leila. Gra- grazie. Grazie. Bye bye. <laughs> Prego. Ciao. Arrivederci. Ciao. Ciao. You're listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine, and Imogen Edwards Jones. You can visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcast videos, opinion pieces and more. And if you want to get in touch, you can tweet us at MailPlus, me at Westminster Wag or Imogen at Imogen EJ. Our next guest spent years building a successful career as a writer of children's books. But after a single tweet, that career was taken from her and she was forced to find work in a whole new industry. Gillian Phillip joins us now. Gillian, hi. I mean, this is just... This happened quite a long time ago. You were a bit of a pioneer of being cancelled for a tweet. Yes. Weren't you? Because it was in 2020 and you dared to express support for J.K. Rowling. Yes. Things have changed since then. Mm. I keep hoping that things have changed, but then you still see things happening like the cancellation of Kate Clancy. Mm. You know, at the time of my cancellation, I mean, I was by no means the first. I mean, there had Mm. been... The young adult part of the industry in particular had become sort of notorious for policing, policing people's thoughts and policing opinions and, and getting mm. books sent back for rewriting. I keep hoping that things have got better. And I thought that publishers by now would have summoned up the guts to resist this sometimes mm. and, and, and well, argue to stand that. Up, and to argue. stand up for their authors. There, exactly. I'm an author as well, actually, Gillian, and I've I oh, have found that it's the least brave industry. It is. You know, there's the idea that your books get sensitivity read, yeah. that you have to cut things out, that, you know, they won't publish things that they don't think fit the brief of who they are. They're supposed to be the pioneers of free speech and they are the most linear. They are the opposite. I yeah. mean, the thing is, it's the fault of publishers. I mean, you were you were actually cancelled. I mean, you weren't cancelled mm-hmm. by Twitter so much as by your publisher yeah. not backing you. I mean, this is the thing, is there, is there a total lack of courage that's really shocking. Mm. That's just it, because there always are going to be people who are going to make these complaints and whip up mobs and dream about people and try to shut people down. But what I like to say is scorpions are going to scorpion. Um, mm. They just are. But it's the publishers who are at fault for submitting to them, always submitting to them, never fighting back and mm. doing it instantly. I mean, there's the publishers bow and scrape to any mob that appears, mm. basically. Um, and it, 
separatists when they should be at the forefront of encouraging free expression, mm. exchange of ideas, mm. free debate. Mm. Well, I mean, the thing is, it's about they, they don't stop and think, well, OK, is there a legitimacy to this mm. accusation? You know, has this woman actually done something wrong? Yeah. They just assume that because there's a mob with pitchforks running at them, they'd just better run in the opposite direction. Do you think what's well, the level, the amount of, uh, yeah. amount of but pies think, being thrown? But I think also the problem with the publishing industry is that it's got lots of very, very young, woke people mm-hmm. working in it. That is um, true. Because it has to use a lot of very young people because mm. it doesn't have a lot yeah. of money. Mm. That's the irony, isn't it? Yeah, and they tend to be very sort of oversensitive to this kind of mm. thing. Can I just yeah. ask, sorry, what's it like to have a sort of pile on, on Twitter? I know Sarah's experienced it before. I mean, I've vaguely had people being horrible to me on mm. Twitter, which is why I don't really engage that much. Mm. But what's it actually like to wake up one morning and find the whole world being mean, basically? Mm. What's it like? <laughs> I woke up that more the whole thing took about 24 hours from the first mm. tweet to being fired so I'd woken up that morning and I saw a couple of tweets that weren't very nice and mm. in the pit of my stomach went oh god mm. <laughs> you know and sure enough muting them made no difference ignoring them didn't there was a sort of concentrated pylon after that and it just escalated it escalated throughout the day my Twitter was restricted because I was getting so many notifications. Mm. Um, and then it started coming to my website as well. I think of myself as a fairly tough person and quite mm. resilient. But my goodness, it is horrible. It's, it's, mm. it's because you know you, with, with your rational minds that what mm. you're saying is nonsense. Um, mm-hmm. That they are just vicious children. Terrifying though. Yeah. It's the venom, the venom and the hatred being poured mm. at you. Unremittingly, it's awful. It's awful. Mm. But oh. also, the thing about that is that what you want then is for the grown up in the room, i.e., your publisher, mm. to stand by you and to so, say you're and having a lot. And they didn't. So, what, so did, what did no, they say? No. They really didn't talk to me about it at all. My agent phoned me the next morning. I think I'd gotten to sleep at about five o'clock. Woke up at nine to a phone call from my agent. And she, she just, well, well, this is sort of awful. And there was no kind of, how did you. They, no. they didn't ask for any reaction at all. They were just like, let's wait and see. And if they have investigated, they've just seen that I wasn't the one being abusive. That's mm. the thing. So Can I just ask you, Jillian, what did you actually tweet? What did the tweet actually <laughs> yes, say? Yes. I oh, I tweeted a few things. I tweeted about a month earlier, actually, about a writer called Rachel Rooney, who had written a lovely book called My Body Is Me. And she'd been kind of, forced out of the publishing industry, basically bullied out of the publishing industry by a particularly horrible clique, not of fans or internet mobs, by actual children's authors. Mm. And I, she, she was so upset she actually had to leave the industry. And I stood up for her and I, I tweeted a few things in support of her and saying I thought, you know, the behaviour of these people was disgraceful. Mm. Um, and then, of course, the J.K. Rowling thing happened and she mm. got piled on. So I thought, well, I'll comment on that as well. And I simply said, you know, I stand with J.K. Rowling and I mm. hashtagged it. It was a hashtag going around at the time mm. for mm. feminists and people who supported J.K.R. And I just tweeted that. And actually things were quiet for a couple of weeks. 
you were discovered. So in you were the, in, obviously targeted, weren't yes, you? Yes, you would have, must have been discovered yeah. in the hash because because yeah. hundreds of people have put. Yeah, I, I tweeted it. I stand by. JK. I tweeted. That, I stand that, with J, a, by J.K. Rowling. That's a very common hashtag. I, I made J.K. Rowling my woman of the year last Did you? year. <laughs> but wow. you see, the thing is, the, dif- the difference. Why haven't you been piled well, on to then? Well, the difference between me and you is that I work for a sensible company that believes yeah. in free speech. Or you is know. it because you're a children's author that they picked on you? Do you think? I think a lot of it was down to, I mean, the fact that the books I was writing were most successful in America. So there was a big American readership and a part mm. of that readership, by no means all of it, because I've been out there, I've met a lot of the readership and mm. most of them are lovely, but there is a segment of it that is absolutely toxic. This would be kind of older teenagers and young mm. adults who grew up with the books, but never let them go. And they're very possessive of them. And it was clearly something they'd talked about among themselves in whatever forums, and they just came at me. I mean, the irony, of course, is that all these people would think of themselves as kind, generous, <laughs> lovely people because they're so woke, you know, and they care about people so much. And then they go and destroy an entire woman's livelihood yes. in about 24 hours. Yes. Um, so let's get to the next part of this, which no, is almost this is, more fascinating than this. I know, this is the best Which bit. is that you brilliantly went and retrained as an HGV driver. Yes. Oh, right. yes. <laughs> yes, I did. And are you still I, an HGV driver? I am. It's not that similar to being a novelist. You're basically basically sitting on your bum all day long. (laughs) (laughs) In your own farts. In your own, smelling your own methane, (laughs) gazing off out of a window. That is basically the same thing. (laughs) Except except for the intervening bits with the onloading and offloading. Yes. Obviously, yes. Oh, (laughs) yes. So what did you... So Because HGV drivers are in huge demand. Yeah. So I have so many questions. A... Did you get any HGV driver tattoos? Oh. And if so, what? Oh. Um, do you have a truck with lights on it and a bed on top? Mm. And do you have a dog that comes with you, your faithful companion at all times? Sarah's very interested in Sorry. the bed. Because you have to, because of legal, you have to nap by law, you see. You so see she's the, very keen it's on that. A, it's, the, it's the only job that requires you legally to have a nap to every stop. eight hours. You yeah. stop with exactly. the work. Yeah, <laughs> I've had I've had trucks, I've driven trucks with beds in them, but I've never oh. had the chance to sleep in them because oh, no. I, haven't, I haven't done any overnight. So I don't actually get the chance to sleep in the bed. No. Where do you go with your trucking? I go up to far north, Cape Men's Way, um, nice. over across the west coast. I've been into Aberdeen and to the east mm. and down south um, to Speyside. That like, whole kind of Highland area. Right. And do you know all the special secret trucker signals? Because, oh. you know, I'm, I'm fascinated by the secret trucker yeah. signals because when I drive along the motorway and they do weird things, they sort of have little kind of... They're always flashing oh, their lights I at know. each other. I know. What does it all mean? I think it just means you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I think it means go first. I think that that flash means... Yes, go first, sir. <laughs> go first, sir. Watch out for the speed camera. Or yes. Ah, that's yes. what it is. Or, yeah. Also... Where's the best breakfast? Yes, do you have an intimate knowledge of all the best roadside cafes? Because <laughs> um, you do a book on them. Mm. Because I would, you know what, I would love... Jillian, there are so many more I, books to be written now. I would now. love a book yeah. about Britain's yeah. roadside cafes. Yeah, like a breakfast. sort of Michelin guide oh, yes. to Britain's roadside cafes. Yeah, that's a good idea. Because if you did that, then oh, that would make a fortune. Yeah. And it could be like the Michelin guide, you know, where they have sort of special ratings mm. for different things. Yep. It's quite a good idea. Rosettes. I'd, I'd, so, I'd so buy that. yes. So there you go. There's a commission. (laughs) (laughs) But are you thinking of plots as you're driving along? 
Well, no, because this, this is the one, the one thing that kind of attracted me and that I do really like about it is it takes a lot of focus. You know, you're constantly like checking your mirrors and mm, watching mm. ahead and all this. And actually, I like that because mm. the whole thing about it was after I got cancelled, it didn't give me time to kind of know over things in my head or mm. ruminate or, you know, it just, I had to just get on and concentrate on the road and think about driving. It's worked really well for me in that way. It's, it's, mm. it's a great kind of alternative thing that doesn't let me overthink. Mm. But Gillian, are you essentially a misanthrope? Because I can't help but notice that you've chosen two rather solitary professions. Mm. One sitting at home <laughs> writing your books and the other one sitting in the car driving. <laughs> like, yes. it's, it's like being okay, a waitress yes. or okay, something where you me. have to talk to people. I've got you, haven't you I? Got Good. <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's not that I don't like a good party, but like mm. after that party, I just like to go and sit home and mm, watch there you go. So, yeah. so, <laughs> so the question I have... Me and my cat. Yeah, I'm turning yeah, you into yeah. Catwoman. <laughs> oh, well, there's nothing wrong with that. I am mm, Catwoman. Yeah. Um, awesome. I love my cat. I have a cat and, I, and, and also dogs. But, mm. um, I oh, think I prefer I thought it meant Catwoman because you had the outfit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's such an Imogen thing to say. Um, the, the most important question, Gillian, now is, do you now have a new publisher? A good question, yes. And if so, are you writing a book? Mm. Apart from, obviously, the guide to all the best petrol stations in England. Yes, and best, Wales. Sandwiches. Yeah. best sandwiches. <laughs> that, one, that, yeah. that one's a must-write, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I don't have a publisher. No, my agent dropped me uh, as well as the publishers. So um, I wow. don't have that sort of route. But um, I am going to write again. My life's been absolutely crazy the last two years with one thing and another. So it's, um, I just haven't had a moment and probably just as well to sit down mm. and look at a laptop. But I'm going to. I'm, I'm, I know I'm going to. I, 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 apart from anything else, I've got a neighbour who keeps nagging me and saying, you've got to mm. sit down and write again. So mm. I, I am going to. But this time I'll write for adults because mm. I do find the children's publishing world is just so toxic, which is a shame. It should be the nicest part of the publishing world. Yes, it, it should. Yeah, yeah. but it's also that they don't publish toxic. any good books anymore. They don't publish books where there are good people and bad people and ugly people. Yeah, Everybody, it's also homogenised. The There's always a trigger warning. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Roald Dahl would not get published today. No, he wouldn't. certainly no, not. Exactly. And you know, none of the good ones. Enid Blyton wouldn't stand a chance. She's no. far too, you know, I don't know, heteronormative <laughs> or whatever it is that you're not allowed to be anymore. Um, and also, you're, so, not, you're not really allowed to have a decent villain or even an unreliable narrator or an yeah. unsympathetic main character. They're terrified yeah. of unsympathetic main characters. And yeah. that, they're the ones that are most fun to write. And they're the ones also, that are Also, most people in life are unsympathetic, I find. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's not, it's, you're not really teaching the children everywhere anything if you make them think that the world is full of lovely people, because no. it's really not. It's full of fluffy, no. fluffy bunnies. It's, it, it's yeah, full of horrible people who cancel you on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> Gillian, thank you so much. Thank it was you. really interesting talking to you. I hope you get a next book published. Maybe you should write a novel about a woman who gets cancelled. Yes. And then who goes out and buys a large Uzi nine millimetre and goes and kills all the people who've cancelled her. I think that's a great idea. It's a great idea. Or takes a lover while trucking. Or takes a lover while trucking, trucking. yes. Yes, see, that's my idea. Yes, excellent. Uh, Yes, anyway. I did did get a tattoo, by the way. (gasps) Oh, did you? What was it? Was it a trucking tattoo? It's actually a hair with a crescent moon and it was done by a fabulous woman called Jules Denby. And I love it. 
and I know I'm what's, addicted. I'm what's she called? One. Jules Denby. Jules I Denby. want a tattoo. <laughs> oh, she's great. <laughs> <laughs> I love her hair and a crescent moon. Imogen has lots of really rubbish uh, yes. teenage tattoos Minor that she got done tattoos. because she was a rebel. I have mm. no tattoos because I, no I was incredibly <laughs> square and boring. And now that I'm 55, I think maybe I want a I tattoo. I think you should. So, so where, where is your ta- where's, where's the hair? On my shoulder. <gasps> okay. Right. Excellent. Yeah. That's, That's quite a brave place great. for him. Between, my, between the top of my shoulder and my bicep, just right there. So, <laughs> Excellent. You can, you can see it in a vest. Do you wear? Do you do you have like one of those white trucker vests that you roll up and then you put your packet of fags in it? Oh, so, so that you can see I, the tattoo. I, I, I would do that, but I, I only do baits now, and it's really hard because the bait keeps falling out of your t-shirt sleeve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. really thank you, Gillian. Cool. It's been lovely to talk to you, and we wish you all the very best. Lots of luck. Um, thank- that was Gillian Phillip, one of the one percent of Polish drivers in the UK who mm. are women, and we should also say. A writer. Yes. If you enjoy listening to The Half Hour, why not visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. And if you want to get in touch, tweet us at mailplus, me at Westminster Wag or Imogen at Imogen EJ. You've been listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine and Imogen Edwards-Jones. Thank you for listening. Buenasera. Sarah. <laughs>